We're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. We're still in verse 3. Paul is talked about masters and slaves as Christians and how they're to act, which is totally contrary to our democratic processes. We're in another kingdom, and it often doesn't comply with our citizenships. The kingdom of God takes precedent over any earthly systems, okay? So he said, anyone who advocates a different teaching, what he's just taught on, and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine or teaching conforming to godliness, he's going to have some negative things to say about him. But in this verse 3, he is stating that his teachings and the ones that he has previously taught about slaves and masters, whether they're Christians or not, how they're to act, and it is sound, and it's the will of God. Each one submitting to the lot that God's providence has placed them. So contrary to our modern thinking, Paul, speaking for the Lord, said that Christian slaves were to obey their masters and do as they're told. He didn't tell them to run away or escape or murder their masters. And he said there were even Christian masters who owned slaves. And he did not say you have to sell them or give them their freedom. He told them how you have to treat them. And you have to treat them like a brother, so that puts you in a different category. And he told the Christian slave, if you have a Christian master, you don't take advantage of him. You obey him. Well, that's very contrary to our modern way of thinking because we live in societies where laity rules, where the majority people rule. And when they do that, it may sound good in democracy, but the majority of people are wicked and carnal and selfish. And that's the kind of governments we eventually get. The human nature is corrupt without God intervening uh, with the individual. So we as Christians have to comply with the Word of God, and we don't let modern teachings override us. We live within these systems. We can use them to our advantage, but we have certain responsibilities. And Paul said this is from the Lord. So he's not given an opinion that you can debate. He'll tell you what kind of unscriptural person you are if you do not obey him. Okay? So each one person, whatever state they're in, wherever their lot is, whether they're a slave or a free man, they're in God's providence. And if God has placed them there, they must submit to God until he decides to change it. In some cases, he doesn't. He gives grace. He has his reasons. The scripture Paul said also, he said, abide in the calling wherewith you were called. He means the Christian call, when you were called, when you repented and confessed the Lord and turned to him as your master, because you're a slave. A Christian is a slave to himself. I mean, the world, normal people, but a Christian's a slave to Christ. So we're all slaves, and we have to learn our position in this world and in the lot that God has called us. So Paul said, abide in that calling. You are not to 
try to escape or change it immediately when you became a Christian. First of all, because you're not mature, you cannot discern between good and evil. You're not at the place to be deeply led of the Lord and understand the Spirit's moving. So you're not to act on your own, and you cannot decide to do what you want to do because you belong to the Lord now, and you're not your own. We forget this. We're bought with a price. We are bought. We're slaves to the Lord. And Christians need to understand this. Now, the Christians in the Roman world understood this because they dealt with slavery and oppression and many things. And yet the Lord gave them instructions how they were to live. So we are to abide however we were when the Lord called us. And as we grow in grace and mature, then we can be more sensitive if the Lord wants to change the situation. If he calls us for different ministries, then he will have to change certain situations for us to be able to do that. So if a person is a slave and he's obligated to his master, it doesn't matter if he's a Christian or not, Well, if God decides to gift him with certain ministries, then he's going to need freedom. So the Lord in his providence can arrange this for him to be freed, for him to buy his freedom or whatever. God manipulates in providence. He changes things as he sees fit. And so he does not entrust man to do as he pleases. Again, because we're raised that way to think we're so independent that we can do all these things. Well, if you're a Christian, you cannot. And again, the greatest, one of the greatest sins besides pride of Satan was independence. He wanted to be an independent being from God. Instead of being the light bearer, which Lucifer meant, he wanted to be a light. And after the testing and everything, he was cast out of heaven for his rebellion. And now he's the prince of darkness. Okay? So if anybody's teaching any other form to the Christian slave, he calls it rebellion. He did not say that Christian slaves were to run away. They were to not make public protests. Of course, in the Roman times, you'd be killed for it. And that they are in error and disobedience to the law of Christ. See, Christians live in a wicked world. We live in a God of this world runs a lot of things. That's the devil. The religions, the politics, the governments. He has a lot of control in these things because they have not submitted themselves to the kingdom of God. So we live in a different kingdom and we have to bear certain responsibilities and certain tribulations and persecutions. And the Lord has to deliver us in it or out of it as he sees fit. But our main duty is to Christ. But God does not encourage Christians, never did in any of the New Testament. You cannot find it. He does not encourage rebellion against civil authorities, against the governments, against the police force. He says you'll bring on the wrath of God. He said they are established. God wants order in any kind of nation, whether it's a dictatorship, uh, communism, freedom, democracy. If they do not oppress the people and try to make them live in peace 
and punish evildoers in society so people can live and prosper in their life, that he doesn't care that much. People care. And people often want their independence. They think it's such a great thing. It's to be selfish and live their own life. And God is not into that. So each Christian has to abide in the calling when the Lord called him to be saved. And he has to be guided by him over his life. And God's providences regulate this or God's direct intervention by giving person wisdom and understanding. So he's not into open rebellions and against society. He figured the Christian should suffer certain submissions that Christianity would not be spoken evil of as a contentious and rebellious system because God is not promoting that in this world. So the kingdom of God is totally different than what people think. Many people today, they mix it with their own thoughts the New Age thoughts, uh, the governments that uh, often give them so much to do, but it ends up a lot of it is license to sin, laws to be corrupt, laws to do as I please, and my freedoms. Well, you're outside of the will of God, and you as a Christian better find out what the Lord wants instead of what you think uh, you should have, because that's still selfish thinking. We are not our own. We belong to the Lord, okay? And Paul and all the apostles made that very plain, and Christ did. So he's saying again, if anybody teaches something contrary to that, then they're wrong. They've not submitted to the law of Christ. So as Christian wives are told to be submitted and obey their husbands at all things, well, that's not done today, is it? A lot of women run the government. 25% of our Senate's women. (laughs) And yet Isaiah still states, and it still stands, God said it's a shame when women rule over you and children are your oppressors. You mean your teenagers rule you. Uh, He said it's a shame. He has set up certain order, and he wants people to abide by this, even in governments. So his kingdom... It's entirely different. And so for the Christian wife, regardless of the teachings that she's a co-pastor and she's equal to her husband and she has a vote, Christ doesn't say this. He says, women, wives, submit to your husbands in all things. Obey him in all things. Well, there's no way around that unless you're going to rebel. Women are not given the right by God, Christian women, to usurp authority or to rule over men. That's God's business. And so your independent thinking and your citizenship that makes you equal does not make you equal before God. You can do as you please in certain societies, and society may give you those privileges, but God is going to override societies in the end and deal with them properly. So if you are a Christian wife and you're not obedient to your husband, you most likely will not make it into the kingdom. And it will not excuse the men uh, who will not take the leadership. And Paul said they are to uh, love their wives as Christ loved the church. So if they're not doing what's spiritual right, they will come under a greater judgment. But it will not excuse the wives and others to act differently because their masters and their husbands don't live right. 
they're going to answer to the Lord for their position. That's how it always works. And so when Eve said she was deceived, Paul said, tricked. But Adam was not. He chose to eat the fruit, knowing what was going on. He sided with Eve instead of obeying the Lord. And the sin principle passes through the man. It does not pass through the woman. It said it passes. It's called the sin of Adam. It's not called the sin of Eve because he was the greater authority and should have done something or should have interfered. He could have disobeyed Eve and said, no, I can't eat that. And God may have been able to work out a problem. But he chose willfully to disobey the Lord and eat the fruit that Eve offered him, knowing what he was doing. So it's the sin of Adam, mainly, that God's holding mankind accountable for. And their rebellions and their wickedness, that nature has been sent to us, and we are told we can overcome it. Doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but in every age and dispensation, God had man to be responsible and he winked at a lot of their ignorance, but if they obeyed the rules and stuff, he could save them. He didn't say they had to be perfect. He took care of that through Jesus Christ on the cross. But he expected obedience to his laws and principles at whatever period people lived in, before the law and after the law. So he deals with us, and he's merciful, knowing that we have a bent nature he gives us grace, and he helps us in these things, but he does not excuse us if we willfully disobey and rebel against him. So people need to understand that, not try to excuse themselves. Well, they'll say, well, it's just my nature. I was born into sin. You were born with a magnetic drawing to sin, but you have a will and you can decide to do good and be morally upright, even though your nature don't like it. God's given you the ability to do that, even the person that's not a Christian. Therefore, they're going to be held accountable and be judged according to the light that they have, the truth that they have. They're not going to be excused. And God's going to see what they did in the position that they were in, and he will give grace accordingly and mercy according to what they do with that situation that they're in, okay? So again, not only were Christian wives, as still are, to be obedient to their husbands, thus all slaves and Christians in society must obey authorities, their masters, and the governmental authorities, and the police force and stuff, they're called ministers of God. Well, they're not Christians, but it means God has allowed them and set up certain rules he wants the nations to govern by in their various systems. He wants order in a society so the gospel can be gotten out better, and so people can live in peace and make a living and take care of themselves. That's the general plan of God. So he does not want open rebellion. He does not want murderers, rapists, kidnappers. He actually wants them put to death. And people can't handle that. When they are oppressive in society, it's the government's job, and Paul said, to punish evildoers and to reward the righteous. So when a person's evil 
and does gross things, it's the government's job to put them to death. It didn't even say to rehabilitate them and do this. It didn't say that. It said they are to be punished. And so we need to get back to God's way and we wouldn't have all the corruptions and the prisons and the jails that we have today and we would live in a peaceful society. But that's contrary to the human sentimentality, okay? So we must say, obey where God has placed us, obey the authorities that are over us. Everybody's under some kind of authority. When he seeks to live alone and get away from the side, he's just rebellious. He reveals a rebellious nature because he don't want to submit to God's ways. And he cannot serve the Lord being a rebellious person. It's just that way. Okay, so our rights, we will say, as citizens of whatever country we're in, in our country, uh, we have the right uh, to pursue happiness and freedom and prosperity, but they're not always God's way, okay? They're not the foundation of God's way, okay? To pursue one's life and for happiness and freedom is often the self-life. If the person doesn't know the Lord, he's selfish self-indulgent. He wants his way. Uh And God doesn't consider that spiritual, and he's going to judge it, the selfishness for not submitting to him, for resisting him. So to pursue one's life for happiness and so forth, Jesus said, seeking one's life and interest, contrary to Christian teachings of taking up the cross and following Christ and denying our life in exchange for Christ's life, he calls it rebellion, okay? So society and governments may consider it a blessing, but they're going to have to answer to God at day of judgment, and they're not going to pass, okay? So it's Christ and his will that we are after and we must submit to. So Jesus said, if you find your life, you shall lose it eternally. So if your whole goal is to be happy and to do as you want and do in this world, prosper and just enjoy everything, he says that's finding your life. So if you're happy all the time and you found your life, you're not making it into the kingdom. Christ makes it very plain. If you're not going to serve Christ, the kingdom, him and the kingdom, you're not going to make it. So you may find your life, but you're going to lose it ultimately. So the Christian is under the law of Christ. And we have to take up our cross daily and follow him. And that means that daily there are certain events that we have to make decisions. And our own mind and will would like to do this and that. And yet, if we know the will of God is different, then we die to that. We say, then I cannot do that. I have to do the Lord's will. So the Lord's will is not always easy. And that's why Jesus said, the way is narrow, and few there be that find it. Because they don't want to find it. They want to live their lives, indulge in their pleasures and sin, and their own life. See, they want to be their own master like the devil did. And you see what happened. He lost heaven and everything. And he will come under great punishment and torment at the end time. The consequences, the wrath of God upon the wicked and the disobedient. 
So again, if you are the, uh, the Lord's and you want everlasting life, then you will take up your cross daily and you will serve the Lord, whether you like it or not, in certain events, and you will bear certain things in his name, whether you like it or not. And so he didn't say he was going to make everything easy. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. His duties are light compared to many things. The hard part is dealing with the flesh, the world, and the devil. And that's where the scripture comes in. There's few there be that find it. See, they don't deal with these things, and they don't want to take the yoke of Christ on. A yoke is meant for two people. And if we take the Lord's yoke, we are joining him and following him and not rebelling. Now, under the law, you cannot put an ox and a donkey together. They're too contrary. One's more serviceable, the other one's more rebellious. So if you're going to join the Lord, you have to submit to him. There cannot be two wills. It says, he that joins himself to the Lord is one spirit. He means one in unity, one in purpose. So you don't get yoked with someone you're going to fight with all the time. And how are you going to plow and everything if you're going in different directions? So he makes it plain. We have to serve the Lord or we serve the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are no other options. We're a slave to one or the other. And Paul said, it's whom you obey, that's who your master is. People were saying, as they do today, the grace of God is a license of sin, uh, that it's irresistible. And Christ saves me, and now I can live as I please. These are all doctrines of devils. Once saved, always saved. Uh-uh. You can lose whatever you acquire. See, the lion spirits that teach people this to give them false peace. But then they stand speechless at judgment day because when they see the full truth and the consequences, there's nothing that can be done about it. You can see their hopeless state when they're cast into the lake of fire. So we as Christians, we obey Christ. We are his slaves. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I tell you? See, a lot of people say, Lord, Lord. Two billion people say, Lord, Lord. And they believe Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. They're not following him. And he said, you call me Lord, Lord. He said, I never knew you. You were never committed to the Lord. You had some theology and religion, but you didn't follow me and obey my spirit. He said, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. You were against the laws of Christ and God. He said, you did not do the will of my Father. That's what he says. He says, you're cursed. And he consigns them to hell fire. Now that's Jesus. He is the Lord. He's the everlasting Almighty, one with the Father. And he's the one that's going to bring all judgments to pass. Okay? Okay, so we need to realize that that we're all slaves to some matter, to ourselves, the devil, or to the Lord. We all submit to authorities in certain positions if we're in certain states of our lives, okay? So we submit to governments and rules and regulations that are not directly contrary to Christianity. 
So if the law says go out and kill uh, these people, well, you obviously don't do that. But you pay taxes, you support governmental rulers that try to keep society functioning in a, a right way. There's moral obligations that governments have to God, even though they're not Christian themselves. God overrules the power of the devil in certain governments. He raises up certain governments to take over other governments as punishments. That's his right to do these things when he sees wickedness abounding. Okay, So everyone, all Christians, are under some authority, whether it's spiritual or earthly. Our liberty in Christ is grace to serve and do God's will. It's not a belief to seek a self-indulgent life, selfish finding, what makes me happy in this world. Liberty is not grace to live as we please, uh -huh. nor is it a license to sin. Many people who believe once saved always say, well, we're saved by grace and we can live as... They're under a demonic spirit. Our liberty is to serve the Lord, not to rebel against him and not to live wicked lives. See, they want freedom to do as they please and then they want a ticket for heaven. Well, they're not getting it. And multitudes believe this damnable teaching and they're going to end up cursed of God because they're not seeking the truth, and they want to believe that, okay? So the Lord knows the motive and tense. He knows what people think and where they're at. So they're not going to get away with anything, okay? If one cannot obey and follow Christ in this life, then he cannot be saved, and he cannot be a disciple of Christ in this life. To have Christ is to exchange masters. We want some master to sin and the devil and self, okay? But we exchange it for another master. We serve Christ instead of the devil and the world system. See, we get grace and help of the Spirit to serve him. That's the liberty we're given, that sin does not rule over us. We can say no, and we've been given the power of the Spirit to say no. And we're not forced, and we're not overwhelmed by evil like people of the world can be when demons take control of them for their persistence in evil. They reap the consequences, and they get more possessed and under the power of evil by doing this, okay? So verse 4 the person that advocates anything different than what I've just told you about submitting to your masters and the governments and so forth, he is conceited and understands nothing. That means he has no spiritual understanding. Uh -huh. The scripture says the way of the righteous is made plain, is made plain to the righteous person. Uh -huh. But the wicked, he says, never understand. See? The carnal nature, the wickedness of man, cannot submit to the law of God. He cannot only not understand it properly. It says it's contrary to him. He cannot understand it because his nature is corrupt and he won't submit to the Lord and the Lord would help him. 
but he don't want that. He wants to do as he pleases, okay? So he has a morbid interest in controversial questions. He has the spirit of rebellion. He loves debating and disputing over trivials. And the Lord said, we're not to get into that. Paul was very plain. He's made certain statements. And he said, and if you don't agree with this, then be ignorant. He didn't say God's changed his mind. He said, then be ignorant and you'll reap the consequences of this evil. See, so sin deceives. Sin corrupts. Sin hardens. So the more people resist the truth and the spirit of God and their conscience, if they have one at times, the further and further they are bound into evil. Okay? So they want to strive and argue with people. And he said, this comes from envy, this strife, this abusive language, these evil suspicions, okay? This is all from the corrupt nature is what he's talking about, okay? So he he's propagating a different sound, a different teaching that Christ and the apostles taught. He don't like any of this stuff because he's not spiritual. He's not qualified to teach or lead. He is rebellious, which produces envy and strife, railing and arguing and evil rebellions against people. That's from the corrupt nature. That's what the Lord's saying, okay? Verse 5, and constant friction between men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Now let's go get into the prosperity doctrine of materialism. He calls it the same thing. You start propagating materialism. God wants people to be successful in what they do, but there's times he tests people and he takes from them like he did Job, and he expects people to live with contentment and not be bound to the world and materialism. Well, a lot of doctrines teach uh, you're a king's kid and God wants you to be wealthy, healthy, and rule in this world. Well, it's a lying gospel. It's nothing but idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. They put money and wealth and position above everything else because they're evil and to deceive. But they say, Lord, Lord, and they think they're doing right because they don't want to believe they're doing wrong. They love materialism above Christ. And the Lord said, you cannot serve mammon and me. Mammon was a god of riches, materialism, things. So the Christian uses the world and things, but he's not used of it. He knows how to handle it, but he doesn't make them idols. He doesn't take them beyond what they were intended for, okay? So constant strife and debates and opposing sound doctrines, he said they have depraved minds, void of the truth. They're not saved. They're children of the world and the devil. They're lacking in truth and they're influenced by lying spirits, okay? One great lie that earthly prosperity promotes a godliness, that godliness is the proof. Well, that is a doctrine of the demon. A way to get gain and greed and materialism is from the devil, okay? Now go to Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 3. 
if you were raised with Christ, in other words, if you're a Christian, seek those things that are above, that means spiritual things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, it's supposed to be a renewed mind if you're a Christian, on things that are spiritual, godly things, not on things of the earth. Okay, You are not to mind those as a priority. You use the systems we live in, but you don't abuse them. Okay, So set your mind on those things and not on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So uh, if you're a Christian, you died to your will and yourself. You are seeking to obey the Lord. Why? Because he's your master and you're under obligation to love and to serve him. And if you cannot do these things, and if you want to seek earthly things, you cannot be a Christian. And you are not a Christian if you're in that state, and if you practice that, okay? So God's people were often poor. Most of them were when the gospel was given. But it said they were rich in faith. Now the Laodiceans, the church the Lord looked at, they were rich in the world, but they were poor spiritually. And they made Christ sick to his stomach. He said, I'll vomit you out. See? They said what? They were bound to earthly things. They said, we have need of nothing. See, everything was based on their materialism. And he said, but you don't know. You're poor, naked. Means you don't have the righteousness of Christ. You're not his anymore. He warned them. Uh And he was still given some opportunity to repent and come back. Uh So money... And things are neutral. It is how one uses them that reveals the heart's affections. So we must learn at times in Christianity to be a base and to be a bound. The Old Testament said God has set a prosperity against adversity. We have these ups and downs and backs and forth, and it's no proof of our spirituality. See, many people think if everything's going well, and I have everything I need, and I don't have no problems, God's blessing me. Most likely you are being cursed, you just don't know it, because you don't understand spiritual things. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, the scripture says you will suffer opposition. He said, and through much tribulation, we'll enter the kingdom, because we are dealing with the world system, the flesh, itself rebels against us, the carnal nature, and we're dealing with demonic spirits. So we're in a warfare. We have to remain loyal and overcome in certain instances to prove that we're with the Lord. So if we have to be base, then we learn to be base. It means having nothing. But the Lord said, I'll never leave nor forsake you. Now he allows some people to be taken to death as martyrs. That's his privilege. But overall, he said he knows what we have need of. But he basically says, having food and raiment, be content. That's all we're really promised. And he says that I'll be with you. Well, people sort of don't like that, do they? They want things. It gives them security. It gives them earthly security and power. But that's of the corrupt nature, see? That's why they can't serve the Lord. So thinking that godliness is gain 
and this is often taught by the faith and prosperity movement, is from a depraved, unspiritual mind. To have much reveals one needs God's help to do with what they've got. God's people and his ministries is what a lot of God's giving and prosperity for Christians, it wasn't for self-indulgence. God don't care if we live within moderation, if we can afford this and that, but it's the excessive. What on earth do people need seven airplanes for and six homes? What on earth does a Christian need $500 million in a bank? It's because he's not a Christian. Uh-huh. Oh, he thinks he is, okay. Many of them are going to be shocked when they say, Lord, Lord, they're going to find out something different. So to have much reveals one needs to help God's people. We'll get to it later, but he said, if you're rich, Paul said, if you're rich, you talk to a Christian, and he already warned most of them they shouldn't be, and they should avoid it. He said, you better be rich in good work, because it's not for you that God's given this. It's for other reasons, okay? So be rich in good works if you have much, okay? Now, people and the prosperity people don't like quoting these scriptures. They're like quoting the Old Testament where they didn't have the Spirit abiding in them, and he allowed financial prosperities. But we're under a different system. Let's go ahead and take a break now. <laughs> 